Welcome to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. Here we talk about the professional turf manager, the ever-changing products, and the business side of owning a turf management company. Whether this is your first year or your 20th, we hope to have an open discussion that we all can relate with and continue to grow a successful business in the green industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. The 4th of July week edition of the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. Myself, Kevin Salters, with our co-host, Douglas Gray, the, the knower of all chemicals and products and bridge products. Oh, please. And, yes, sir. The shell answer man please. of lawn care. How are we doing, Douglas? Oh, it's been a it's been a very uh, eventful week. Um, saw a lot of different things this week, um, from disease to insects to obviously everybody in the Northeast knows, and probably pretty much all across the country, drought stress lawns that people swear that swear that they're watering. Um, we did get some good rains in the last seven days or so, um, but we're going to be hot next few days and uh you know supposed to get some rain again i think sunday and monday um we'll see where that goes but um i just hope everybody doesn't let their guard down and shuts their water off and stops watering totally because like today although like i said before we need a little humidity in the air to keep moisture in the plant but today was brutal down here in new jersey wow so when you talk about water because man today is just going to be a shotgun approach on all areas because I got beat up this week with service calls are coming in and we're actually getting some heat again with the humidity. We had one evening where we night where we had a shower come through overnight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was kind of unexpected. And then the humidity in the morning and I just my wife was up. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be a good day. And then the phone just started. It, it was what <laughs> it was. Pink patch came in. I sent you a couple pictures, this, that. But watering all the service calls that I went to. Today was Friday of go around and, and handle all the service calls. Every single one of them was a client that has irrigation. <laughs> it is amazing. And I'm almost done with my my client handbook of all the different situations during the season to send out. But in the research that I did with water and doing water audits in the past, I know I've mentioned this before, but to put one inch of water, which is typically what cool season grass requires per week in favorable conditions that is 20 i'm looking at my email Twenty-seven thousand one hundred point or 105 gallons of water to equal that so if you break that down per 10,000 square feet or per 1,000 square feet it's 653 gallons per 1,000 square feet for the week so you can divide that out so customers that are doing their watering in I would say 50% of the clients that I have that irrigate are on a well and the other 50% of them are on city water. And in whole, it's a very low number of people that have irrigation just because of the size of our properties up here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the people that have city water are more attentive, obviously, to the cost. So they've retarded their water quite a bit and they're actually in better shapes compared to the people that have, let's say, an abundance of water and think they know what they're doing. So... With that said, I had a client that came back to me with his watering schedule, He's and they're watering every other day, 18 minutes per zone, twice a day. Mm-hmm. And 
oh boy there was no color it was yellow <clears throat> it's leached everything out of there he's in heavy soils as it is it's very difficult to help people to understand proper watering and yeah you know, one of the my last stops and the guy goes but i have irrigation i'm like that's great that is only a supplement to what mother nature can give us and that's under perfect conditions which we have not had so with the amount of wind we've had the amount of heat that we've had at times just soil is very hydrophobic right now just because it hasn't mm -hmm. had a lot of water to accept so we get a lot of runoff because they're not watering properly water right now is is more of a damage than it is good because the customers that do not have irrigation their lawns are thick they're not green they're greenish but they're in that safe zone that you know as soon as mother nature waves her magic wand those things are going to be standing tall and looking and looking great to the fall I, I said this last week and, you know, when we were talking with Chris Stout, um, you know, about, you know, you guys, his, his area, they don't have a lot of irrigation. Well, New Jersey, at least I don't know, 90% of the people have irrigation in New Jersey. Um, and probably 2% to 5% of the people know how to run their irrigation system the correct way. Just today, I was on my way down to Southern Jersey and, We've had, oh, four to six inches of rain here in the last, I don't know, say seven to 10 days. Wow. And people are still watering their lawns. Oh, yeah, we're not in a drought. Well, oh, let me rephrase that. You haven't recovered. Still, we're, we're recovering, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that it's, uh, you know, we go through another dry spell, we're going to be right back into a, a drought again or abnormally dry period, as they keep calling it. Um, but it's just, you know, you don't need to turn your irrigation system. I don't think these people have turned them off. They let it run through the rain, you know, and it, it's it's comical because as I'm driving, every one of those lawns has dollar spot. Oh, and when I, and I'm not spot. talking I about water it out, it's a, I got that today. It's I thought it was dry. I, I put extra water yeah. on it. <laughs> and I'm not talking about like one or two spots by the mailbox. I'm talking about entire lawns covered in dollar spot and you could see the mycelium as you're driving down the road. And I, and I laugh because they're the ones that call and say, my lawn looks like crap. What are you doing wrong? Mm. And you know, the reason why dollar spot is so prolific right now here and it's not, yeah, it can do be due to fertility. Don't get me wrong, but it's because of the amount of leaf wetness we've had in the last 10 days and the lawns are not drying out that fast because, you know, it's not super, super hot, but it's, you know, plus we got some humidity, so it's going to not dry out as fast. So when you have prolonged weight leaf wetness like that, dollar spot is going to come out, whether you have low end or high end, it's just, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, no sunlight. And finally we're starting to get that sunlight and you'll probably start to see it not be as active, but the damage has been done. And these people will continue to water because that's what they think. Oh, it's a dry spot. I'm going to continue to water. And more problems happen. Then Pythium comes into play. I saw Pythium <laughs> yesterday as well. Really? Oh, yeah. Dude, so, I can smell it, dude. <laughs> uh, so when you say you saw it and, and you can smell it, do you think because Pythium is one of those diseases that 
kind of needs perfect conditions for it to really fester well. Mm-hmm. Newer turf, newer seeded turf, do you think? Sod. Oh, okay. Sod. Got it. So Already got a thatch layer, yeah. too much water. <clears throat> Probably, if I was a betting man, it was over-fertilized because the homeowner wanted it greener yeah. because it wasn't that green. And they were watering, oh my God, an hour a zone every day. And so, you could just see the, the trail going right down the center of the uh, of the lawn. And you could just see the you could just see it. I didn't even have to get out of my truck to see it. And as soon as I got out of the truck, I could smell it. So with sod, which I'm not faulting sod whatsoever. Me but either. With our crazy weather that and we'll we have so many things about our crazy weather that I'll bring up, but it's amazing. I have a client that brand new customer, new build all seated around the house he sodded and his poor sod is taken forever to wake up this year and mm -hmm. i was just there uh last week last friday actually and mm -hmm. it, it jumped but prior to that on a starter fertilizer on his new seed it was just stalled out and he's like what am i doing wrong i'm like you're you're not it's, we got 52 degrees tonight and the next day is going to be 55 the poor grass doesn't know what to do it hasn't gotten his oh. legs to wake up i hear you dude i said don't worry with your habits your your sod's gonna be banging in a couple of weeks we just need some heat as much as we want to hate to say that but it's the right thing it needs if you know i've said it before and i'll say it again you know if you're not a believer in biology in the soil you should become one and you, whoever you're, whoever you're doing business with, if they're not talking to you about putting biology in the soil, they're doing you a misservice, in my opinion. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, it's just my opinion. Um, I just personally believe that since last year, our soils have really taken a turn, and not just from last year, from the years and years and years of putting fertilizer down, uh, fungicides for every little thing, you know we we've i think we're diminishing our soils i really really do um there's just you know there's high levels of a lot of different things in the soils that are causing issues um and i there are products out there that can help you it's just unfortunately you only have a select handful of people that talk about these things in the market so you get looked at like you got 19 heads you couldn't possibly know what you're talking about because you're not talking about 24011 um, you know, <laughs> you don't need fertilizer in the summer. So, and, and that, let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Okay. You don't need high doses of fertilizer in the summer. This is where you take a organic fertilizer or a liquid, uh, spray and put things in to treat your soils opposed to pushing growth. So when you put a half a pound, three quarters of a pound of 24011 out right now. It's 89 degrees with 71% humidity at 330. I have a barometer thing on my <laughs> on my watch. That's why I know this. Um, at 330 in the afternoon on Friday, J June 30th, and you're putting down a product like that, all you're doing is creating surge growth once that fertilizer starts to work. So you don't want your grass to be succulent in the summer months. You want it to be even keeled, so to speak. So that's hard to explain to clients because they think mm -hmm. that they should have Nit PGA Z answer. all year long and it should be green and I'm paying you for the green. And I, you know, I think Chris Stout said it last, last podcast, people 
in the spring love you and in July and August they're like why am I paying they for your service you. exactly and then come exactly. back around September October they're like coming to Thanksgiving for us you know so we're we're in those 100 days of hell right now big time oh. and and oh, we yeah. were talking prior taping is that you know our lawns that aren't irrigated that are in that kind of transition stage right now of totally healthy not sexy they're in that ugly ducking duckling stage mm -hmm. but and Mother Nature is going to wake them up when the time is right. And when September rolls around, they're going to have great lawns. They, they really That's right. are. Yep. Well, you know, going back to what you said, you know, everybody wants that golf course lawn. And, you know, <laughs> and I think I've said it before on one of our podcasts. I can't remember which one. But, you know, the worst thing to happen to in, to a homeowner is to watch the Masters in April. Um, because everybody thinks that's what grass is supposed to look like the entire year. Um, you know, it's not the masters or Augusta national doesn't look like that all year long. Um, they turn to Bermuda grass once the weather starts to turn and, you know, it's not that color. Don't get me wrong. It's still a great golf course, but it's just not like that. And, you know, you get that spring color because the grass is actively growing. When you get into the summer, don't get me wrong. The grass is going to grow, but you don't want it growing like it does in the spring, because if you are, the grass is succulent and you're going to get more issues. And now is the time that it shows. So um, mm -hmm. I was on my second to last stop slash service call today and the competitor of the neighborhood rolls up. Slick truck, box truck, big ramp, hydraulic, really cool setup. Um, but saw him loading up heavy. I mean, they're still running electus which is your combo of midichlorpid and and mm -hmm. bifenthrin mm -hmm. <clears throat> so they're still staying with that product not much longer will they be able to um but i know the i know what the chemical makeup of is it's 1906 and he's going out and dancing all the lawns around there and they get decent green up and they look okay you know it's mm -hmm. sometimes you get mad because you're you're trying to do the right thing with biology and health and kind of almost protecting of the plant and then you see your competitor out there throwing 100% synthetic or like Derek says, throwing rocks out there that you can't get nutrients from. And their lungs look freaking good sometimes. It's like, shit. You know, let me, you know, synthetic fertilizers. I, I don't want to make it sound like I hate synthetic fertilizers. That's not the case um, because they have their place. But what, I am trying to do is to get people prepared for what's going to happen in the future. You know, so if we can start making things more sustainable, because this, these, they're coming, it's just a matter of time before these regulations are going to start to happen. Um, th there's already bills on uh, probably every state in the United States about reducing the amount of fertilizer that we're putting down on home lots. So uh, let me interrupt real quick, because the way it works as I've been very involved in this is there's a bill sitting there and it becomes a tuck-in vote. Mm -hmm. So they're going to vote on five very important things, and then the glad-handing that's happening in the background is, let's slide these seven other bills in, and the one that we're worried about is going to be the restriction of something of what we do. You, and that's you, where it comes from. It's like a midichlorpert, right? There's, there's no... There is no scientific evidence that it kills bees. None. There was a virus in the, in the hive... It was a mite, I believe. Or yeah, I think you're right. Um, I misspoke. No, no. There was a 
you know, virus or mite, whatever, you, you know, whatever it was that was killing the queen bee yep. and destroying the, the hives. And, but they needed something, they needed something to blame it on. So we have, and this is just my opinion. Well, we have a, I'm surrounded by farmland, which is cool. And we had an old gentleman, Dr. Mr. Larrabee, who was a beekeeper that had 26 hives, literally 150 yards from my house, but you can never tell they're there the way they were tucked in. Mm -hmm. And he's been keeping bees all his life. He's in his nineties. Love talking to him. I would go out to the hives when he'd get there and we'd chat. And he said it back, geez, 10 years ago. We have a major mite issue. And he had he did all kinds of miticides in there. He goes, This is what is annihilating our bees. It's not the chemicals mm -hmm. that are being used right now. He goes, Not that I want chemicals out there. He says, mm -hmm. but in my hives, this is what I can tell what is attacking them. He says, I've been doing this all my life. I know the bees. It's, it, it was very, very interesting. Now, again, as we know, the news and all that stuff, they can kind of highlight what they want to highlight. Yep. But yep, yep. Me being the geek that I am at times watching YouTube and doing studies, Rutgers University does some amazing research on imidacloprid, the half-life of it, um, mm -hmm. the effectiveness of it, the possible cause of secondary result, which was minuscule in their reports. It, it really, mm -hmm. really was. It was almost to the point of contact spraying of the bees, not so much mm -hmm. um, from a plant that was either treated via liquid, which can be used in arboriculture compared to in soil contact as we do with our grubs, but also the benefits of the water solubility of how soluble that is. That's why you can mm -hmm. use that so much later in the season and get control compared to what we're using a celeprin. I can never say the correct word of, of the chemical that's in there, but how insoluble that product is. And that's why we must put it down earlier to actually get through and translocate Correct. through the soil Correct. and into the plant uptake. Um, and the half-life of that product is phenomenal. It's like I, 500 and something days, I believe, something somewhere under. Mm -hmm. So, you know, none of the reports showed that it had any secondary result on our honeybee. Well, it's the same thing with glyphosate, right? You know, all these lawsuits because, you know, Somebody created this panic that glyphosate was killing people. And, you know, but there's, it's been proven. I, at least I, this is what I've read. It's been proven that glyphosate is one of the safest products that it's on the planet, but the media doesn't want anybody to believe that. That's why they run those ad campaigns, you know, and Facebook posts about glyphosate. So people read them all the time and they get panicked by it. The product that they replaced it with, glufosinate, if you read the SDS sheet, it's more toxic than glyphosate, from what I saw. So there was a gentleman I worked with, and I'm going to say his name because he was one of the one nicest and the most educated gentlemen I've ever worked with, and he was at Brightview. His name was Bruce Hellerick. He, yes, he, I know Bruce. You know Bruce. Yes, I do know Bruce. He's over in PA. Yes. What a fun. He's retired. He retired. What a phenomenal person that guy is. Yep. And he came up to our branch and he was always more than happy to go to any board meeting we had where there was any confrontation or they needed some education on anything from pruning to insects, disease, whatever. And he had an amazing PowerPoint slideshow on glyphosate and the actual results of science of what that product does not cause. It, it was mm -hmm. just what a great dude. I mean, it, mm -hmm. learned so much from him. What a just a gentle giant. We're an just, easy, we're an easy target. 
Well, that's what that's what our problem is. And and they know that's is why we keep we talk about these things to make our industry more professional. So we're not, you know, just slinging fertilizer and leaving it on the sidewalks, leaving it in the roadways. Yes, it takes longer to do, but we need to we need to clean up after ourselves so people can see how professional we can be. Hundred percent. Um, when I was with one of my customers yesterday, um, one of the biggest things that the owner stressed, we went into a community to, fertil- to for his guys to fertilize lawns. He was having some issues with, and you know, it was emphasized: make sure you blow down these roadways and this and the long driveways to the T. And, you know, right away, you know, some, you know, you start, you know, you get distracted, whatever you start blowing and you miss areas and, you know, we're just saying, you know, miss that area, whatever. It's important to, to do this because, you know, first of all, it's the law. (laughs) That's number one. And number two, we don't need more, more customers throwing darts at us because we already have enough. Unfortunately, because they see product coming out of the machine, whether it's liquid or granular, and because of the news hype and the commercials that are out there, mm-hmm. they think everything we're putting out is toxic. They really mm-hmm. do. And, and we've all, I think, seen this commercial for the Roundup, you know, jump on this yep, yep. lawyer where you can get on a class action suit of the guy out with a Demand Mr. Rand. <laughs> the guy with a Mr. <laughs> it's blower. It's not him, but no. it's not him, but that's the one I always see on TV, Demand Rand. <laughs> and it's a, it's a Mr. Blower with glyphosate. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. really? How many people are would do that? It's like, no, come on. Exactly. I know. Stop. But the general public doesn't think that that's not happening. Mean, meanwhile, it's okay for, you know, 80,000. I don't know how many companies are out spraying mosquitoes and ticks now, but it's okay for the 80,000 companies out there to have the mist blowers <laughs> spraying mosquito controls all the time. Is, and they're, you know what I mean? That is so I mean, funny mo- because- mo- mo- most guys are all natural stuff, but it's just funny because, you know, it's okay for that, but you well, know, it's okay for the applicator to be spraying it, but it's not okay for the homeowner to be looking at it. So the companies up here that do that, which are bigger name companies, they're throwing bifenthrin out there up in the air. Great. And they're mm-hmm. like, you're doing a lawn application on a Tuesday and they're having a party on Friday. And they're like, is it going to be okay with the party on Friday? But they have the mosquito guy come thursday or friday morning <laughs> to do their mosquito application before the party i'm like ma'am do you really understand what's going on here um but anyway it, i'm not oh, it's it's funny it, it's it's just an image thing it, man. it's 100 image and you know mosquitoes treating for mosquitoes and ticks safe for my pets but fertilizing my lawn isn't again different road that i didn't want to go down and we could go down oh. the dark horse of glyphosate oh. with treating our food and why and how. And I know all the research because I've done it all. I've had to do presentations on it. We'll leave that one alone. Yeah, I agree. That's that's enough. So <laughs> to, to go back, um, I had a pretty cool conversation with one of our guys via social media, um, Green Spring Lawn Care. I'm going to give him a shout out. Yeah. And it, it just goes to show how messed up our season is. Because we were talking back and forth of all the wonderful maple and oak trees that are coming up in June. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we typically see them in April and May. And we were going back and forth. And I said, listen, you know, I I don't treat them. If they're in amongst an area where I'm going to be doing a spot treat, great. But I won't treat them in lawns. And I just tell my customers, listen, environmentally, it is not the best or conscious thing to do. 
get four sets of leaves on them, whack them with a lawnmower, and they're gone. The stock is done. Mother Nature will self-cleanse them. But the more important part of that conversation was basically, here we are in June talking about helicopters from the maple trees finally having enough soil temperature and or moisture to germinate and the oak trees, mm -hmm. which normally mm -hmm. they're gone already and we're, we're on to our next problems, which are diseases. It's, it's wild. That's how right. screwy our season is. Not sure if it's happening everywhere, but they're... They're everywhere right now up in the Connecticut area, and I know Greenspring is, he's Maryland, so he's seeing them down there as well. Oh, we have them here. Uh, they're, they're growing on my lawn in, in little areas that, which I can't even begin to fathom how they could be grown because there's just no sunlight, or not, just shouldn't say it like that. It's just the lawn's so thick, I don't know how they're growing, but they are. We are. We're in a weird situation. Well, you know, it's today... Being down in, in South Jersey, in Southern Jersey, you know, um, I went golfing with some customers and, uh, you know, there's Japanese beetle, uh, like you would not believe. That I haven't seen see. Japanese beetle like this. <laughs> it's been a long time, probably 20 years. So you're on a golf course. Could it be, because we, we used to service a private high school, a private academy, and we typically see them right around this time, but they would brush mow all their fields at the same time that obviously mm -hmm. they would be dispersing because they were on those. Is that possible that that was happening in the area? No. no, no, shit. This is just this area is all agriculture. Um, it's you know I don't know exactly what this what the land was before this golf course was built. The golf course is like I think it's nineteen ninety nine. It was built in. Um. I don't, I don't know if it was like a farm or it was like a, you know, a peach orchard or something like that down there. I, I don't really know, but um, that's the first time I've seen Japanese beetle adults flying around in like, I'm not going to call them swarms, but we'll call them swarms for a lack of a better term, but probably in at least 20 years that oh. heavy and infested and they were go into town on the, on the, you know, on the greens. Well, you know what they're and, doing. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, it was just interesting because, you know, we talk about, you know, grub controls and insect controls and all that. And I think sometimes we, we might, we do it more for protection for ourselves. So we don't, you know, have issues. And then the homeowner has an, a reason to fire us at the end of the year. Um, I think anyway, plus, you know, obviously, you know, it, it does other things as well. There's other insects that we're trying to control. Um, but some guys will say, do I really need to put an insecticide down? I don't know. Do you, ha you ever have issues? Well, no. Then if you don't have any issues, then don't do them, you know? Um, but at the same time, then you have isolated circumstances like this. And, you know, probably down in that particular area, it'll probably be a major grub problem this fall, you know? There's a community about 20 miles, 15 miles northwest of me um, in Morristown, and it's all old uh, agriculture area as well. But I believe that it was like all apple orchards and, and peach orchards back in the day. And it's it's like the Japanese beetle capital of New Jersey. So I'm going to be interested to see maybe next week if I can get over into that area to see if they're there, you know. Um, so it could be those isolated circumstances. 
But then the other problem we got going on there is bagworm is hot and heavy on ornamentals. Wow. Really? Holy crap. Oh, yeah. So this soft winter is just showing its face. You better be looking at your trees and shrubs, um, especially your arborvitaes. But they get on anything. I mean, if if there's a red maple next to it, they will get on a red maple. Um, so I was, where the heck was, I was in Southampton on with that one customer on Thursday and I happened to, I pulled into a Wawa to get a cup of coffee and they had arborvitaes all along the backside of the, uh, out of the, uh, behind the building. And they were just being devastated. They were really small and there must've been, <laughs> I didn't count them obviously, but it looked like there was 2000 of them on each, each one. Wow. They were, it was unbelievable. So if you don't know what a bagworm is, look it up and start looking at your yeah. uh, customers, trees and shrubs, because uh, number one, you can make some extra money by doing so. And, and Bifen works it, great on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And number two, it'll, your customer will love you because you're going to save their trees. Yeah. Now you let them go any further. They keep munching. <laughs> you're going to lose some trees. So what we're seeing up here is, uh, and it's not prolific, but we're seeing side webworm moths mm-hmm. flying around doing their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a couple calls on it, and it's nice that people actually are mowing the lawns and paying attention to it, which is cool. And as we know, the the moths themselves are not going to cause any harm. It's what's coming, and with hopefully the liquid surface feeding and then the acelloprin in the spring, hopefully that'll take care of that as it as it goes. But we were talking earlier in a week a lawn I took over last year. He did not do any type of grub control or preventative, and I went there for the first application, and I literally could not open my mouth while I was applying. It was that wow. bad. The, the moths were amazing, wow. um, absolutely amazing. And I reached out to him when I was there. I said, hey, we're going to need to do a service feeding now and again just to stay on top of them, and never did any grub control on his property because it was just too late in the season to put anything effective down. And thank God we didn't have any breakthrough. I mean, the the bifen worked well enough, but I was really nervous. There was that many of them. It was it, the camera wouldn't pick them up enough, but you could not go on a machine with your mouth open. It was like being on a motorcycle with the bugs. The other thing uh, that we saw this week, um, I actually had Al. He actually sent me a picture um, of some grass that had eggs all up and down the stem of the of the of the leaf plate, and. When it's all said and done, it came back. It was either sad webworm eggs, um, or which I don't know. There was another term for that. It wasn't like the sad webworm we have. It was like I'll find it in a second, um, uh, or it was armyworm eggs. Because I have seen in the past. I've never. I'm not saying I. I probably have seen them and never put it two and two together, um, but two or I think it was two years ago we had an armyworm outbreak here. And we were finding the eggs on um, flag sticks on golf courses. They yeah. were just so prolific that they were laying their eggs everywhere. So that was one thing that we saw this week. And then as I was with that customer on Thursday morning, there was eggs on that were attached to the uh, like moss uh, on the lawn. So they're out there. They just might not get tropical sod worms sod web worms um so you know this storm that came up the coast yes, came sir. from the south so I'm just gonna say that keep your eyes open for tropical sod web worm and adult 
uh, army worms. Because if anybody doesn't know what army worms are, you will find out very quickly what they are. So make sure you get online after you listen to this and, you know, cause you'll be on a lawn and you will hear them. <laughs> um, they eat like crazy. And, and you need to really pay attention to the weather pattern, which is crazy. Not even in our area, because when we have those Gulf coast storms and they come up through the center Valley, all Ohio over to the East coast and, and, even from down on the East Coast side and come up the Eastern Seaboard, they're bringing different invasive species into areas that typically aren't there. So Absolutely. that's how armyworm has come up as far as it has. And we get some mm-hmm. of the other insects and diseases because those pathogens can travel in that moisture as well. And, you know, when we have a bad hurricane season and we have those tropical storms that come up, we're typically in alignment for some interesting season with all kinds of curatives needing to be done. Absolutely. And look, I mean, hopefully these are just isolated circumstances, um, but it was just interesting um, to see these things because I think it's every year now that we talk about some crazy stuff that we see, whether it's in turf or uh, trees, you know, obviously, you know, spotted lanternfly is, I haven't seen any spotted lanternfly where I'm at yet this year. Um, but I know, again, that town, 50 minutes uh, northwest of me, Morristown, apparently they're all over the place. So, and I think out in probably Pennsylvania, in certain areas, they're, they're all over the place. But um, I have not he- seen them here yet. The biggest thing that I'm seeing this year is bagworm and spider mites. I uh, was so dry that spider mites on like Alberta spruces and things like that are just, they're prolific right now. So... Um, they like it dry. They like it hot. So, um, fortunately we have gotten some rain, but they were already there and causing their damage. Um, you know, they're the, probably the two biggest things that I'm seeing here. Uh, you know, Japanese beetle obviously is coming now, but, um, something we probably never talk about a lot is ornamentals and it's a good business to get into, um, because, People don't want to lose their trees and shrubs, and but they don't really think about it until they lose one. Um, it's it's okay to upsell people and go to them and give them a nice basic program, but keep in mind, don't be cheap. Well, <laughs> and I think you know Chris Stout. He he had a great they call it their bug truck, um, a great yeah, program yeah. for it. You know he's running an organic product, so one you can feel better about pushing that product onto customers, mm-hmm. and. He's running a regular scheduled program for that so that let's say the organic isn't as effective as a synthetic product. At least you have overlapping coverage, which is great. And staying on top of never getting to that tolerant level that it's going to cause a problem on the, on the shrubs itself. And we're having it up here. I had a, a customer of mine, and this is actually a pretty cool story. Um, I just do tick for her. She is, let's see, married, kids, graduated, recognized gymnast, but she's also a stunt woman. And she's this little bitty thing, crazy. And if you ever want to, if you ever want to see who I'm speaking of, she was district seven in the Hunter Games. Uh, It's pretty cool. So she actually, being a stunt person, um, they actually had her play the entire role because it wasn't a very long role as they were knocking people off. Um, but she's done many, many different movies. But she called because she had um, 
spider mites all on her patio. And she knew that they weren't going to cause any problems and that. But literally, you know, the kids would sit on the cushions and it was a light colored cushion and it would squish so many of them. The red stains were going all over her cushions, all over her cooktop, all that stuff. It was crazy. The spider mites were everywhere. It was crazy. So we are seeing that and being on a regular program. You know, one of the programs we used to do, we used to call it PPP, PPC, Perimeter Pest Control, Yep, yep. back in the day. And it really was more for invasives getting into the house. So we would do a foundation sill treatment of basically bifenthrin mixed and try to eliminate spiders and, and ants from coming into the house. We didn't do anything inside of it. But now with these Mr. Blowers and the product that's out there, it it's very easy to do. It, it's a nice service if you have the staff to do it. Now I just wish that these mist blowers, um, they could make a machine that after about five or six uses, they don't spill down your back. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, they're awesome. I, you know, I have a lot of customers who do that kind of work and uh, a lot of them use organic products. And, you know, I'm not so sure synthetic products work better than organic, to be honest with you, because um, a lot of my guys use organic. Um, we're actually playing with one now um, to... and. I sprayed it in my backyard about a month ago and I have not seen a mosquito or a tick in my backyard. So um, they work. Um, but every complaint that I hear about is, man, can they make a, a mist blower that doesn't leak, you know? So, and it doesn't matter which ones you use, they all seem to have their issue. The way to do it <clears throat> is not be like me. And if it's a four gallon capacity that my still is, try to put four gallons, 0.25 yeah. in there. Because I'm gonna go further. So, <laughs> if you if you watch them, they'll go out with a half or two thirds load in that, just because the freaking things are so heavy too. It's like, yeah, yeah. holy cow! But I think that's kind of helping them too, keeping that big wash down the back here from all the product. And I, I should probably smarten up, but I only do it really to my property and family. I don't I don't do mosquito spraying. I don't do I don't target that. Tick, I do totally different. I do hose and gun, 300-foot hose, um, just different style that, the way we do. But I, I have done some That's the way I organic. did it, too. Yep, it works great. I did one this morning, commercial property. They're going to start doing picnics for their employees every Friday. So I went there early this morning and did their entire picnic area. And just 30 feet into the woods, man, I freaking light it up. It works good. <laughs> Let her go. So yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that I don't think we – we ever emphasize in our industry is about turf and ornamental care or tick control, mosquito control. We, we only seem to talk about turf and it's, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that here's another idea. Somebody who is really big into that part of the industry, man, we'd love to have you on this podcast. Yeah. hundred percent. That would be an awesome conversation <clears throat> to have. Because if you, as much as tick is difficult to implement with turf only because if you're separate tank, I have it on a separate truck. So now you're basically jumping and I'm a one man band. So I'm going from one truck to the other, different timing, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> the end of the day of tick spraying, one, you're tired because you're dragging hose, but two, the profitability is ridiculous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and that's the only thing that keeps you doing it. Cause you get done for the day is like, all right, I build out, let's say 1500 bucks as a number and it costs me 75. Show me the numbers. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's again, we need to get paid for our knowledge and yep. the service that we're 100%. providing. 
and our, and our license. Our license is not easy. It, you have to have that license to do what we're doing. So it would be great for more people to get into that. And and Chris had a great program. You know, he has his bug truck and a guy that basically does that. Implementing that to existing customers just becomes root density. And the more services you can offer to a customer that's going to be valuable services to them mm-hmm. makes you a more a better resource for them and it makes you more profit. It, instead of trying to find the next customer, the next customer. And you know, that's I think one of the I've had a bunch of people reach out to me of needing help in trying to expand their business. And the couple things that I say very candidly, and, and they're all the same is one, go to your competitors pages and, and read their Google reviews. And if they have any bad reviews, find out what they are displeased with. And yep. that, that's one, that's going to be number one, that's going to be your problem solver. Number two, you need to be completely different than what any other company is around you. And that could be very simple and I'm doing it for the total different reason of bridge products and offering more sustainable care. And a lot of people don't see that because they're so focused on trying to get the sale and trying to stay within the price. But if you go there and turn your program and your marketing all the way around into more sustainable, healthy, listen, Mrs. Jones, it's going to take us a full season and into the second seasons where you're really going to see the rewards of what we're doing this is not a fix, a quick fix, one application, two applications, and man, you're on cruise control. We're working with the biology and the soil. And I'm not saying it because it's a sales pitch. People do love that. That, And we talk about this all the time. That's what they want to hear. But I truly believe in that and offering those services. And my two and three-year customers right now in a drought, I don't have red thread in them. I am not pushing heavy growth. They don't look like Augusta National, but they're thick and healthy. And I know what we go out with with round three, which today was my first round with that. And it just smell of molasses and sweetness. You know, you're just putting love out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, fertilizer earlier, you know, and putting high doses of fertilizer out. And to give you that, I'll just give you the example of my own property, like my front lawn. I got more nitrogen in my front lawn than I do my backyard because I don't take care of my backyard as much as I do my front. Um, Not because I don't want to. It's just, you know, I have a dog and, uh, you know, she's loves the outdoors. She loves being out there all the time. So I just don't do as much as I do back back there as I do out front. So I have less nitrogen in my backyard. I have 0.6 pounds of end in my backyard. And let me rephrase that. I have 0.602 pounds because I put an organic nitrogen down last week. Um, And I have 1.501 pounds of N in my front yard because of the point. I'm sorry, 1.502 pounds of N because of the 0.02 pounds of N I put out last week. And my backyard is greener than my front, although my front looks great. My backyard is greener than my front. I with I, less nitrogen. I say this all the time to many of my customers, and I see it all the time. The people that fuss with their lawns the most look the worst. It's amazing. If you just step back and let the lawns do what they want to do with some help, we all need guidance, we all need some nutrition, and just mm-hmm. give it the time to do it. You know, I had that conversation with a couple of customers this week, you know, they come as soon as you pull to the curve, they're out the door and they're like, Hey, what do you think about this? And what should we do here? And what should I'm, I'm like, nothing. Let's, let's let this thing go 
for another mm-hmm. two months and see what happens. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take two minutes of water off of this one and add six minutes of water to that and just please let we mother create nature, our own problems. We do. You know, let mother nature do her thing. She's she's not too bad. She's been doing it a long time. She's got a little more experience than me, that's for sure. Oh, I, you know, it's look, it's it's human nature. You got a brown spot. You automatically think you need more water. I get it, you know. But when that when that brown spot doesn't get better with putting new water on or more water on it, you know, call and say, "What am I doing wrong?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Because um, I see it all the time, you know, in my development, especially, I mean, I'm probably everywhere. Um, I think every house in this development has irrigation, but like five. So, you know, I watch lawns get burned up. Then the irrigation system comes on. It's too late. Then we get some rainfall, you know, then it gets shut off again and then they get dry again. And, you know, by the time that cycle goes through by August, it's time to reseed again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause they have no grass left on their lawn. Um, or hardly any grass. Listen to your lawn care guy in the spring. Turn your water in er, t- on early. Not It doesn't mean you have to start watering. But as soon as we start getting the temperatures that require water or look outside and realize that we're not getting rainfall. Just because it rained a month and a half ago <laughs> doesn't mean with all this rain we've had. That fa- I was waiting for you to say that because... I've had a few of those come in as well, and watching the weather, they just, today, which I hate to do, but they just kind of did a recap being at the end of the month of what we've had for rainfall, and we've had 0.09 inches of rain for the month. Wow. That's it, baby. So all that rain that we've had. Now, we had some in May that kind of kicked us down the road Mm -hmm. a little bit longer to, to give us a little bit of love, but it has shut off really... We. This is my area. There's other parts of, of <clears throat> Connecticut that have received rain, um, shoreline and yada, yada. But in my specific area, Zilcho, there's nothing going on. And supposedly Sunday and Monday, some showers. Um, but we'll see how good they are with that one and, and what they don't, bring. Don't kill the messenger, but Uh-oh. we've had 4.73 yeah. inches of rain. Hey, I'm happy for you. And uh, But people are still watering their lawns. Like crazy. Now, if you're in a climate or a, an area where it's all sand, because we have them here in New Jersey, you probably need to start watering already. Sure. Because <laughs> it hasn't rained in three days. But where I'm at, heavy clay soils, I'm not turning my irrigation system on. It's supposed to rain on Sunday. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to turn it on until I have to. You know, and that's the part of the education side, we have to start bringing to the customer because we create our own problems, you know, by mowing too short. Some of the properties we were on yesterday, literally, I kid you not. And, and one inch. You sent me a text. I remember that. And I said, you bring your putter and I'm almost Uh, done with the help of my wife of my basically client handbook that they're going to have. And it's in depth. It goes everything from the mushrooms we're seeing right now to photosynthesis, watering, cutting, all that stuff, really to help educate them and to curb some of the questions. And it's not to be used that I know more than you. It's an educated customer is going to be so much of a better customer because they're going to have better results. Well, who? why does it matter if you do? Like, if I don't know something, what do I do? I go find the answer for somebody. 
It's the same thing. If you don't know, you don't know. You know what I mean? You, you've been doing this how long? Too long. You should know more than your homeowner. I don't right? know enough. I want to know more. But, That's the cool thing but, about it. Right. And guess what? Well, if you're not, again, I've said this before. If you're not learning every day in this industry, you're going backwards. Shout out to Left Side Lawn Care. Caleb, he exactly. posted that comment, uh, I think it was yesterday, the day before of his soil yeah. test and neighbor. And I'm like, we have so it's, much to learn. That it's an, it's an awesome process. It's been going on in ag for years. Okay. Like, I think people take ag for granted, but those farmers... This is what they do. They look at soils to decide what they're going to do. Not the 1295 soil test that we all do. $12.95. Because <laughs> I'm not saying that those things are irrelevant. I'm not saying that. But we we focus so much on pH that it's tech we should dive a little bit deeper. Yes, these tests are, cost a lot more money than your 1295 soil test. But when you have a lawn that you're struggling and struggling and struggling with, it's time to pull out the big guns. I did. And do a sap test. And it's crazy because um, I, I had that, we've talked about it before, that client that I, I hit him again today. I'm doing some slow drip on him. But as soon as he turns on his well water, we have major, major problems. So I'm mm -hmm. like, here we go. Let's do some testing, both water and soil. And happy to say that I was on it today throwing down the liquid love that you sell me and it's it's returning it's like wow this is huge it had no potassium in the soil whatsoever zero mm -hmm. no traces of it ph is perfect you know, though everyone's like oh your ph is out of whack it was 6.5 show me how it could get better it wasn't it 6.5 6.5 is optimum actually i like personally i think 6.2 is optimum some people tell you 6.5. I think it's 6.2, but... But that's what everyone, hairs. you know, when they see the yellowing hairs. and all this, they're like, oh, pH is out. I'm like, no, it proved you wrong. It's not. And it's getting into the macros, but then diving into the micros. And the micros, like Caleb was oh. saying, can dictate what happened to the macros. Oh, look, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, again, we keep talking about fertilizer, right? And this, you know, you have people out here preach low nitrogen, you know, and and... Some people are like, no, no way. There's no way you're getting the same results in liquid as you do granular, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, again, I, like I said, I can prove you're wrong. Um, I have too many customers who are doing it. I know too many people who are doing it who aren't my customers, and they're having success. Nitrogen is great, but it is not the 100% answer to every problem that we have. It's not the, it's not the answer. Um you know, there are so many things that we do to our soils with putting down the wrong products, you know, because this is what we've been told for all these years. And I'm not picking on this analysis. This is just stuck in my head today. 24011 with MOP. <laughs> you know, we're polluting our soils because we're just throwing salt into into that into your soil. So what you're doing is you're drying them at, drying your soils out, not allowing transfer, uh, transpiration to operate fully. And you need more water to keep things alive. And then when you start putting more water out, you create a disease problem. But in turn, because of all these products we use, we're putting heavy deuces of aluminum in the soil. Um, and aluminum can be toxic. So if we start putting too much of these type things out. We make the soils toxic. Calcium, 
is so important that we just don't even look at it anymore because it's just something else that we have to add in the tank that costs money. Granted, you can't just throw every form of calcium in your tank because calcium doesn't play well with a lot of products. So you got to be very careful with that. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with grabbing a, you know, an organic calcium carbonate product and going out there and spraying your calcium. And it'll probably be much more readily available to the plant than you would if you just put dolomitic limestone out. But at the same time, micronutrients are one of the most underutilized thing in our industry. It's it's unbelievable. So again, not to keep harping on the guy that I was with yesterday, one of his applicators says to me, you see that juice you sold us, Doug? Every lawn that's sprayed with that looks phenomenal. The lawns that aren't sprayed with that, they look like crap. So micronutrients, and I use this all the time. It's no, and this is what turned me on to this, is it's no different than human health. It really, sure, cells are mm-hmm. totally different in, in division and, and what we have, but you know we can take in our macros of protein, fats, and carbohydrates, and it's those three elements that we take in or those macros that we take in and how healthy those products that we're eating are that contain the micros that are actually going to make us healthy because the macros really mm-hmm. don't. The proteins are going to give us energy, fat's going to give us more energy, and carbohydrates is going to give us a spike of energy. But if you use them in the proper forms of going with a more complex carbohydrate, which is going to take longer to digest, it's not going to have that insulin spike that is going to be in correlation to in our turf when we find products that can do the same thing there. It it works the same. It really, really does. And I think we're all very used to kind of keeping our turf kind of on crack where we, mm-hmm. you know, I said spoon feeding a lawn and I'm literally spoon feeding it to get it back to where it needs, but I'm not spiking it. You know, I went out with Biosynergy one, what's that? One zero two. Yep. There's my nitrogen and iron octane fe and yeah very very low doses of nitrogen but i'm twisting up the micros that are in the soil to release the nitrogen that's already been put in there that the plant just can't absorb or take the you know one i've been selling a lot of low nitrogen fertilizers this year this year because if anybody knows me at all you know i preach it you know summer months come if you're not gonna if you're not a sprayer which is fine you don't not everybody has to be a sprayer but also look at it because I think if you actually did it, you'd like it. Um, but you got to be taught how to do it. It's an art, you know, the whole nine yards. But anyway, so the two products that I have sold the most this summer is 1002 or 1022 and 727. And, you know, always the, the question that I get asked is that enough nitrogen? Okay. It's not the nitrogen in this product that's going to give you what you want anyway. So what you're putting down, you're only going to get between 0.35 and a half a pound of N, okay? And I don't even really want you to go that high with the 10.22. But to make it simple because of spread rates for people, because it's the common thing I hear, I like products with a five-pound spread rate. (laughs) Okay, so that's why I developed that product. Now, 70%. I hate it because there's more bags I got to freaking open up. Well, yeah, that's true. But that's why spraying is is a very ultimate tool that if you master it, you can be very successful spraying your lawns. I still like the bookends being granular. 
but you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't live in everybody's area. So some areas just might need more granular than others. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, but at the same time, everyone, and I, that is, I know of, if, if someone's out there not happy with it, feel free to call me and, you know, call me out on it. That's fine. Um, but everyone that I've talked to who is using those products right now are telling me that their lawns look like, look awesome. Now, even during that drought, yeah, they were getting droughty, but they still look good. And then we got that rain or, you know, the good amount of rain we got. And everyone almost said they bounced back. Just watching some of the pictures that are being posted of the areas other than ours and just in envy because <laughs> of the water. You know, she's uh, left side, Dan Listener, Green Spring, a bunch of them that have gotten the water is like, wow. Look at that. I'm just waiting for that little bit of love. And, and what did I, you know, what do I say about irrigate homeowner irrigation? It should just be a proof, should be the proof that homeowner irrigation is only a supplement. It's not enough. You, it's not enough. You need rainfall for Mother Nature for turf to really survive throughout the month, throughout the uh, summer months. The summers that we have, personally, I think our summers have shifted. I think we are July. August and September now. I guess we'll wait till September to make that total statement. But over the last few years, we've been relatively cool all the way through June. And then we get hot that first week of July, which is going to happen right now. And, you know, I think my Weather Underground app that I have on my phone said it's going to be 94 on Tuesday. Wow. So, you know, it's coming. Look, yeah. I think. And, it, and, and we're, it should come, technically. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's on its way. I just, I don't know. I hope the whole, the humidity doesn't come with it. That's, you know, the, well, you want some humidity because I you, get need, it. you need moisture in the plant. It, you know, I know the disease triangle, you, you know, all those things, you, you know, humidity will, weather will be part of your disease triangle. But you, if you talk to a golf course superintendent, they want humidity because it keeps moisture in the plant because they're cutting the grass so short. Yeah. So, so they don't have to water all the time. You know, they can hand water opposed to running an irrigation cycle. On golf, they want it as dry as possible. You know, where in lawn care, we don't want it as dry as possible, but we don't want it wet like some of these lawns are out here right now. We don't need, you don't, you shouldn't be walking across a lawn and all you hear is, oh. you know, we, we wish we even had part of that. We, we've got nothing. <laughs> Sounds like tap but, shoes up here. You know, you, you got to learn your irrigation system. And it's not, unless you are paying someone to be at your property once a week, you have to learn your irrigation system. And you learn, have to learn how to run it right. And you need to understand when you should or when you shouldn't run it. Bottom line, it's not the turf manager's responsibility to make sure your irrigation is running properly. Now, it is the turf manager's responsibility to leave the notes to say, hey, you're not running your irrigation system enough, or you might have a problem in this one area. When you're there, you, we got to leave notes on people's doors. It's accountability. You know, make your applicators accountable to do that because nothing is worse when you get that phone call. Well, your applicator was just here. They didn't say a word. Hmm. And, you know, and I was my last stop today, matter of fact, um, the gentleman got a new controller. Did not how to did not know how to run it, and mm -hmm. he needed to turn his rear yard off, which is shady. It's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful, and 
he says, do you know how to run it? I'm like, well, I do. Let's hope it's a controller I'm familiar with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, good. That, yeah. I walk into the garage. It's a hunter. I'm like, yes, home run. Thank so, God. Yeah, yep, yeah. Set him up, turn everything off. I'm like, you know, listen, why don't we do an A and B that way? When you want the rear back on, you can just swap over to B. Yada, yada. He's like, really? You can do that? I'm like, you're going to do a lot more than what I'm doing, actually. Um, and the Rainbirds are cool, too, because they... Now they have it on an app on your phone, which is awesome. Um, but he mm-hmm. didn't have that. No big deal. Hunter is like old school, easy. Let's go. Set it up for him. So, you know, just being able to offer some advice to him was huge. And it's going to help me down the road because he's not going to continue to water in the back and not water in the front, which needs it because he's worried about too much water in the rear. And that's what was going to happen. All right. You with know- that said, we're going to take a quick break. And before you know it, we'll be back in a blink of an eye. So I guess we should talk about the monsters in the closet of Nutsedge and Green Kalinga, huh? Woo! <laughs> you've had all the fire down there. You've had the gas. You've thrown gas right on a fire with what you've had. Well, you know, not only, you know, it was just a week of it. I've seen everything this week, you know, from insects on trees to insects on turf to disease out the wazoo. You know, it's so, you know, why not? talk about the weeds that are coming um crabgrass dallas grass nuts edge green kalinga um oh god you name it i think i saw it this week so and to be honest with you it wasn't just homeowner turf it was golf turf it was sod farms all the above sports fields you know all the above so um you know but you know obviously on the homeowner setting nuts edge and green kalinga are the two um Biggest probably problems right now. Um, crabgrass, crabgrass is showing its ugly head. Um, but you know, for the most part, I haven't heard too much from my customers about crabgrass. Um, most of them do split apps and use, you know, doing it the right, right way. Um, but you know, green Kalinga and nuts edge, you know, nuts edge is probably showing its ugly head more than nut, uh, green Kalinga right now. But, you know, as we, as I always talk about, you know, Nuts edge, in my opinion, is an easy weed to control. Um, it's just what we do is we usually treat what we see, and that's what I used to do too. Um, but I always hear this: uh, you don't need surfactants. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's on the label. That's number one. You and, and that damn label. Number two, if you use a surfactant and you use the right surfactant, they work awesome. Sedge Master is or Sedge Hammer. Um, there's hollow sulfur on is the active ingredient. Works awesome for nuts edge. And if you use the right surfactant with it, it works even better. Um then green kalinga. There's only certain products that do a really good job on green kalinga. Um and it's not sulfentrazone. I believe sulfentrazone burns it down and will kind of stun it. And that's, again, this, it, my opinion, prove me wrong. Um, and I just, I'm not a real huge fan of it because I think it stays in the soil too long. Um, I believe that Solero is probably one of the best products for, if not the best for green Kalinga. And it's expensive. Yes, well, it is expensive. Will that cross over um, to the as well? <sighs> Some people will tell you, um, yes, I don't see it where it does um, that great of a job on Yellow Nuts Edge. So So, what we found and what I see up here a lot is 
a lot of your <clears throat> Swiss Army knives, your your uh, multiple products in a jug that will go after this weed, that weed, that weed, and also will uh, go after some nuts edge. And I've used it long enough, used to use it long enough to where it really, sure, it'll ding the nuts edge back enough to where the client's happy, but you really don't get the control and, or I should say the eradication process of it when you go to a single blend or if you're blending yourself with some of the better products compared to a Lesco product that has some of the product for Nutsedge involved with it. Yeah, you can hit Broadleaf with it. You can hit this and hit that, but it's not giving you the effects that you need. It's getting you down the road, but I've swapped to Sedgehammer and just using that in itself with a surfactant. I'm still running um, no stanky right now because I have a ton of it. And it works going back to see in a week, it is yellowing very hard and it's very, very fine right now. We're, I'm seeing some of the heavier stuff and on the outskirts of wetland areas of people's properties, but in the lawns, it's still very fine just because we've been so dry. But like you mm -hmm. said, when that water comes, Oh baby, it's oh, going to be going to pop and it's, and it's popping now. Yeah. So, you know, Solero, if you're looking for a one-shot wonder, and I don't, and I say this loosely because if you're really bad, it's going to take more than one app, and it might take a couple years to totally eradicate it. Um, you know, it, but it, my recommendation from what I've seen is eight ounces to the acre, about three weeks apart, um, three applications in the summer. If you're just talking about a spot, you know, on lawns that it's not real bad, go at the higher rate at 12 ounces to the acre with a surfactant, and it's awesome. It will smoke it. It's not super fast. It's not going to be gone the next day, um, but it will eradicate it pretty well, uh, where next year that maybe that patch is like one-tenth of what you saw. Um, but I've seen lawns that are totally green Kalinga. I have, there's a house here in my development that is all, if we could turn it into turf grass, it would be the greatest shade of grass <laughs> ever um, in the summer, but it's all green Kalinga. And how did it get this way? Cause I don't, I don't think a lot of people know what it is. Um, they think it's yellow nuts edge and they just treat it with sedge master or hello sulfuron or sedge hammer. And Sedge Hammer or Hello Sulfuron, I believe, does a really good job weakening the plant. So I I have guys, that's what they start with. And then they come back with Solero after that. And it does a bang up job. I have guys who just do Solero. No, no offense to Sulfentrazone. Uh, if you use it, cool, dude. And again, call me, prove me wrong. Um, I'm just not have never seen where that particular active ingredient did a fantastic job on it. And that is just my opinion. Um, cause I, Hey, I'll sell whatever works. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, I like leading the people to success. And from what I've seen, it just doesn't do it. And I imagine how self, how you say it, how self phone, <laughs> hello, sulfur on. Yes. Um, I'm going to, 
uh, I can't because of my screens. I, I wanted to actually look up one of the multi-use products. I call it the Swiss Army knife that Lesko carries that will... Q4? Um, no, it's actually Momentum 4-score. Okay. And it, it does well. I mean, it's a fairly cost-effective product to take out your broadleaf on, let's say, round four, so August, September, and then go after some sedge. And again, it gives it a good ding, but I don't think it works well as an eradication because it, it seems consistent over and over again of coming back each year. So that's when I made the change two years ago, and I've seen a huge results of not using multi-use products, Swiss Army knives, and, and blending my it, own. Is that just a private label of Q4? No, it does not have quinclornac. It's basically okay. Q4 without quinclornac. Gotcha. That's that's a good way of explaining it, actually. You know, I, you know, I, I was still in lawn care when Q4 came to market, and I say this all the time without herbicides, especially not all, but certain ones. That and that is one particularly you have to use the max rate. Yes, sir. If you're going at the lowest rate on that label. It's not going to work, perform for you. I'm sorry to tell everybody that. Um, I get it costs money. Three ounces per, 3.2 ounces per thousand, I think it is. And, you know, depending on who you buy it from, it's probably, you know, $125 a gallon. You know, it's roughly $125 an acre in that ballpark. I, you know, I don't sell it. So I don't know exactly what that price is. Um, I'm just guessing at this point. Um, when I first used it, man, I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. I remember. Um, easy, except, easy. Except leaving easy. the counter with a receipt. <laughs> really, the only way I, only places I had crabgrass were on curb strips and, you know, areas that were tight or whatever on lawns. So, and crabgrass for that matter. But, you know, I would use it and, man, I was like, oh my God, this product is awesome. And I don't know what happened, you know, but a year or two later, I just was not satisfied with the product so i stopped using it and went to a combination of quinclorlac and or drive at the time because i don't think the generic was out uh when i was in the business of applicating um went to a combination of quinclorlac and sedge hammer on my own and you know mixed it i did a half rate of mso because of uh i didn't want too too much burn but I was okay. You know, I still had really good control. Um, methylated, if you don't know what MSO is, it's methylated seed oil, which you must use with Queen Chlorilac. It's again on the label. Um, and it works tremendous if you use it. Um, there's some other standbys out there, solitaire, but again, has sulfentrazone in it. Um, but I actually had good results with that product. So, it's an easy product to use. It comes with a little measuring thing to use, you know, good for backpacks and for whatever ap- application, but um, for green Kalingado, Solero, it's hands down the best product on the market right now, right now. I'm sure there's going to be other products that come, but right now I would always recommend Solero for green Kalinga. So I'm actually looking up Q4 to see, does Q4 have MSO in it since it has quinclorinac? Just curious. And well, w- would it become more effective if MSO was added? I don't know the exact surfactant in that product. I think they claim that most of their products have surfactants in them, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, and that's cool. I'm not saying, I mean, hell, Dimension 2EW has MSO in it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> not at, enough at for the, me in the spring. Right, well, not in the spring. <laughs> but, you know, so I think a lot of some of the inerts in some products are probably surfactants, right? But like I'll go to the old standby product that people use, Trimac 992, right? or triplet or triad or, you know, any standard three-way out there. They may have a surfactant in them. My personal opinion, it's not enough. Um, I've seen it. I've done it, you know, where I can take a standard three-way with a really good surfactant and make it work like speed zone on Clover. Um, you know, you just have to do it the right way. Um, you know, so, I think a lot of products may have surfactants in them. They're just not maybe the surfactant to for what we're looking for it for. It may be to keep the product in suspension. Um, you know, it may be the product that keeps it, uh, uh, you know, bound up in the jug. So you don't have fallout, you know, things like that. Um, Cause if you've ever seen, I don't know if it necessarily happens in today's world, but when dimension two EW first came out, um, and you let it say you had a gallon left over at the end of the year and you go back into your shed the next year and you know, it's separated in the bottle, you know, so you got to shake it up. I don't yeah. know if that still happens or not. It, um, but it did not happen this year once, for me from, I did have a partial leftover, but I know exactly it has happened for sure. Mm -hmm. And so constant research and development probably has changed that. Sure. And I don't know if it has, it's just something that I've seen in the past. Um, but you know, a lot of products have surfactants, whether they're the surfactant that you need to, to do the job after when you're mixing in a, in a, you know, with water, probably not. Um, and I've never used a surfactant with Q4 because I think it actually says on that label, do not use the surfactant with it. Um, and I could be wrong on that. I don't quote me on that one because again, I don't sell it. I haven't touched it in I, years or I sell hardly any of it, maybe two cases a year. Um, I'm more about, I, to be honest with you, I don't really sell a lot of post-emergent crabgrass controls because most of my customers are clean. You know, they're, I don't know why, like they're doing a great job. So I don't really sell a lot of post-emergent anymore, but it's Nuts Edge and Green Kalinga are the two. Um, you know, there's some other grassy weeds out there that, um are really really hard to kill um you know dallas grass i don't necessarily know i mean i think some people have their own concoctions out there um and i'll kind of leave that to myself right for now um so i don't know necessarily know 100 a product that does it um you know i think if i'm not and i could be wrong and I, but i'm pretty sure pilex does a damn good job on it at a certain rate i think it's half ounce to the acre if I'm not mistaken, but most people are reluctant to buy it because it's expensive in the lawn care setting. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think some people have told me that mixing that and quinclorolac together have, has done a good job. Um, I think Pilex does an okay job on Bermuda grass. It'll ding it pretty hard. Multiple applications though. Um, you know, but again, use a surfactant so my buddy matt from nutmeg state lawn care he 
found a, a customer that actually wanted to spend the money on Pilex. And he had passed Palum to a beautiful crop. And he went <laughs> out and he nailed it. And it started to white real well and went back on two weeks and hit it again. I haven't seen an updated picture after um, his second application. But it, the, after the first application, it, it did a wonderful job. And again, mm -hmm. very expensive product. And the customer was willing to pay for it. For, for actually, they're, they're in a condo type thing. And it was, I think, a mother, daughter, two different units. And they're like, yeah, we want this out of our lawn. This is above and beyond what the program is. We will pay for it. So it was more of a really good experimentation for him to see what it'll do. And, and it, I know the first two weeks, he was very happy with what happened already. You know, that's a term that I hear a lot. Man, that product's expensive. Does it work? Um, You know, it, my point to that is, is that if the product's cheap and it doesn't work. It's expensive. Is it good? It's expensive because <laughs> you got to go back and do it again. 100%. Um, so if a product's expensive, charge for it. Um, uh, Solero, I think it's, I might be off a dollar or two. Don't, don't sue me if I'm wrong or scream at me if I'm wrong, but I want to say it's $206 per pound. So at a half a pound to the acre, which is kind of a standard rate out there, um, you know, you're $103. So you add a surfactant in there, you know, it's going to cost you probably a good surfactant and cost you about $2 uh, as well. So you, let's just call it $105 per acre at eight ounces per acre on the Solera. So you're talking about, I don't know, what, $2.50 something cents per thousand square feet. Um, but if it works, is Two, it expensive? Two forty one to be exact. Because uh, I like that, math. Sorry. But no, I mean right. It's it you know, it, if it works, is it expensive? Um, where I see, you know, people with sulfentrazone, yes, it is, especially on the generic side, it is cheap per acre. But every year you're spraying it over and over and over and over and over again is, you know, to me, that's you're wasting labor dollars, in my opinion. Um, and I do personally believe because it stays in the soil long, it might do some detriment to turf um, root systems, per se. Um, and again, this is just my opinion. Um, I just think. The safer the product, which Solero apparently, and this is just coming from the salesman of New Farm, you could probably go 20x the rate and you won't burn the turf. And again, could be wrong. <laughs> don't want to try that. You, I, well, you can't afford to do, do that. that. <laughs> Please do not do that. Yeah, you couldn't afford to do it. But um, at the end of the day, a product is only as expensive as how it works. Um, if a product isn't giving you results it's expensive because you got to go back and do something else and buy something else to do it. So it's just a term I hear a lot and, you know, just like fungicides, right. You know, it's always, what's the number one fungicide used in the residential market? Propaconazole. Yep. Because it's cheap, cheap and it's overused. And we're, I, we're starting to see resistance. I, you know, first of all, Again, I say it again, and I'll say it every time. I'm not a fan of re uh, fungicides on the residential market unless you can water them in right after it dries. And how many lawns get watered in right away? 
hardly any. Correct. Maybe one percent of the lawns that are sprayed. Um, they're best used as preventatives, not curatives, because if it's a curative application, you got to go back within ten to fourteen days. So you have to. How do you feel of granular preventative? Um, I actually think granular fungicides do a better job because they can sit there a couple of days before they have to be watered in. Um, but they're they're a little bit more cumbersome to apply, in my opinion. Um, you know, the the prill is very fine. So it's like a so, Dilox? Yeah, it's it might even be a little finer than that. Yeah, wow. in that ballpark. So they're a little finer, and I think people try, tend to over-apply them, and then they tend to cost way too much money. So if, if believe me, if we could use a contact fungicide in the residential turf market, I'd be okay with what we're doing if we could throw chlorothalonil in the tank, but we can't because it's not labeled for residential use. Because um, chlorothalonil is one of those products that, for the most part, has no resistance at all out there. I think there's new strains of dollar spot that they may not can it may not do anything to um but you know it does have hardly let's call it 99% resistant free right now then there's another contact called fluazidam um which is only allowed in golf and you know so they have that tool to use where we don't have in the residential market I wish we could have a contact because it would be the greatest thing ever. We could, because this is how we used to do it back in the day. T-methyl with chlorothalonil. That would be one application. Then when you come, actually, my number one product was Balaton first because Balaton or Triademophon, the active ingredient, was the absolute best dollar spot control product on the market. So we used to go with a combination of, of Balaton and chlorothalonil. So you got two different modes of action control and dollar spot. And you have two different modes of action to to help with brown patch. They were the two biggest uh, problems that we had in the market. Uh, red thread, I never really had a problem with. Um, isolate it. And then we would rotate to like T-methyl, then to go to propiconazole, and then go to some other chemistry or back, you know, something like that. We always rotate. Rotating products is the best thing you can ever do, especially if you're on a fungicide program. Um, but Always the go-to is propiconazole. It's the first one that comes up, and I and I I talk about it. Uh, just send me propiconazole. So, have you? I know we talked about it earlier in the season. Have you had any test with the Chido Pro F, the organic uh, fungicide? I have not done a test of it myself. I have run. Uh, I have a customer who is using it. And so far, he is telling me he absolutely loves it. So is he um, using it as a a curative or preventative? Is he going out and doing preventative applications or is he going out and attacking a, an issue? Um, he is doing it preventatively, um, but obviously there is always those circumstances um, that uh, will... Uh, Cause it or have to be prevented or cured. And I and I I say that because it comes basically from the same manufacturer that that produces the O2YS. And I know we talked about um, 
the natural ability of a fungicide and how cool that would be if that is something that we can have in our arsenal. Maybe it's not going to work every time and using it in, in rotation may, may help dramatically. I'm not sure. Um, I think these Kytosan slash Yucca type products are, how do I say this? Um, they're very beneficial for our, what we do. Um, I know a lot of people, when you start talking about it, you know, they kind of get a little leery, especially because with the pH thing, you have to adjust and all that. It's really an easy process. It's really not that difficult to do. It's just, you got to have a pH meter. I mean, I got a text a little while ago from a guy who was asking me like, I don't have a pH meter. How much citrus sand do I need to put in the tank? Exactly. That well, much. It, 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 it's not much, but <laughs> no, it, you I don't know that you, you could use a lot. You need the meter. And it's funny because my yeah. meter shit the bed on the last load I made. It literally, and I I know what I've been putting in every X amount of gallons I've doing, yada, yada, yada. And I, I ran with it and had no choice. And I went out after mixing everything and I could tell by the, I'm going to call it, it was almost like a beer head or a froth that was on top of the load that mm -hmm. it needed to be more that day. So I put in another half a bag and it cleaned itself right out. But the meter shit to bed. I, I ordered a new one, but I'm not using any type of, of buffering this application. So I've got time, which is cool. I, I, you know, I think that it, you know, we, we get caught up in the industry. You know, we, I know I, I I'll call myself a chemist because I like, you know, mixing products. I like doing it right. I know the proper mixing order and things like that. I've actually had people reach out to me about my sheet for proper mixing. Um, that list, whether it was last podcast or two podcasts ago, whatever it was, I think I had like 50 people reach out to me if, if I could send it to them because they just didn't know. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that if you mix your stuff properly, they work even better. But getting back to Kyto Pro, I think it's a phenomenal tool to have in the arsenal. Um, I actually was talking to one a, a new customer that I picked up this week um, about it, and it's something that he's going to have a very strong interest in for next year. He was already kind of lined up for what he was doing this year. So, um, but you know, for give or take, for thirty seven dollars and fifty cents an acre. I think it's pretty reasonable for a fungicide application. Wow. That's cheap, yeah. huh? Um, it's really not that expensive. You know, yes, I think propiconazole, not even sure. I think that might be a, like, obviously that's going to be a little bit cheaper, especially if you're using a 41.8%. Um, but it's a different mode of action. It is different chemistry. That is the point I'm trying to stress is you have, you can't keep throwing DMIs in your tool because they're the cheapest products that fund for fungicide use. DMIs are the one of the most um, e the easiest products to build resistance. There are some golf courses that have resistance to propiconazole. Cureland is not available anymore. The active ingredient was uh, God Vin Clausland back in the day. I used to use a ton of it because it was awesome for dollar spot but I would rotate it with like T-methyl because you didn't want to throw two DMIs in a row. They're two, the same mode of action. Um, so 
it's important to know what your mode of actions are, what kind of chemistry you're dealing with. Um, you know, azoxystrobin is another good rotational product, but it doesn't do dollar spot. And it actually enhances dollar spot <laughs> if you have dollar spot. So it's important to have a other product in your tank that controls dollar spot, like triademophon. Yes, it's going to cost more money. I got that. But I, I, I hear about it and it's like, well, what did you spray? I sprayed azoxystrobin. Did your dollar spot get worse? Yeah. Why isn't it controlling? Because <laughs> it's not on the label. Oh, I wish it was, but it's not. I wish it was. Um, propiconazole. If you're if you haven't sprayed a DMI yet, there you go. Throw propiconazole in with that tank to give you that dollar spot control. But it's important to rotate on your next application. Um, if you talk to any uh, fungicide company out there, whether it's the generic side or alternate brand side or the the brand side, they will tell you to rotate your products. Um, it's it's important. It's no different than our bodies. If we take amoxicillin every time we have a, a re upper respiratory infection, what's going to happen? You're going to build a resistance to that amoxicillin, yeah, which just, we've already had in our society. Yeah, they just put in our beef. That's why we have the resistance. Yeah, but we'll leave that alone. Um, so, yeah, no kidding. A gentleman taught me, and and I, I'd like your input on it, that when using a fungicide. He recommended, and he did for years, always to mix in basically an iron supplement with it because it's going to help ingest it into the plant quicker. It kind of opens up the stomates and allows it to go in. Any validity to that? You know what? I don't know the total answer to that. I think part of why people throw iron in fungicides is to mask the problem. Um, I don't know about, I think if it had amino acids in it, yes, because amino acids will help open up the stomate and allow the product to get into the plant much faster. That I'll agree with, but iron just to do that, I think iron was just, is just used to mask throw, the problem. Throw some color in there. Yes, especially like dollar spot and red thread. You know, yes, you can do it with fertilizer too, but like I've said before, just because you have dollar spot doesn't mean it's a low nitrogen problem. It could be leaf wetness which is why we're seeing so much of it now. Leaf wetness, one soil the, dryness. One of, yeah, one of the reasons. Anyway, um, you know, people wonder why you get dollar spot in August when it's dry because fertilizer's not working. Um, you know, it's... I'll have to look at that one to huh. see if there's any validity to that because I just don't know the total answer to that one. I've never heard that and I've never done that. I have thrown iron in the tank to help lawns green up when it's disease pressure time yeah um but iron can also be your worst enemy down the road if you over apply it so i mean I, actually one of my customers you know you know had a soil test that his iron was through the roof really and, and he couldn't get fertilizer to work so it just bound everything couldn't, up it, it just bound everything up so again, when i say through the roof it was like, and I could be wrong on what I'm telling you, but it was high. It was like three thirty five hundred parts per million, and it was like three hundred times greater than what it should be. So I bring this back so many times of human health. Iron does the same thing to the human body. It it'll yep. bind you up and constipate you. There's yep. so many correlations in what we're doing to human health. It's crazy. Agreed, hundred percent. And no one looks at it that way. You know. 
you say this all the time, Kevin, and I've actually started saying this to a few customers who will call, who'll call me and ask me questions. I'm like, look, you only know what you know, but reach out to your colleagues in the industry. There's a lot of good people in this industry who are very welcoming. To, they could be your competitor down the street. They don't care because there's enough business out here for everybody. And at the end of, <clears throat> of the day, there are very good people in our industry that will help educate you if you're not educated or you want to get educated. And there's a lot of good people that will help you grow your business just by tweaking what you're doing and changing things up. Just because people want to do things differently doesn't mean they're they're trying to hurt what you're doing. There's a lot of good programs that people are doing out here that can make you a champion in this industry. And what and one of my and it's funny you ended up knowing him. One of my my go to guys was Bruce Hellerick. I mean, what a yeah. I know he's on LinkedIn. If you have something really out of the ordinary and you wanted to reach out to him, I know he would reach out and and get back to. You. He's just a I think he owns a farm now or a tree farm or something, right? Just a wealth of knowledge. His big push was spotted lantern find. That was his big deal of really getting that under control because he saw the devastation down in the Pennsylvania area where he was. And just oh, that's where I think it first came out in in the United States was in like I could be wrong on the town, but like in the Bucks County area or something like that, or like the King of Prussia in that ballpark. I think that was like the first sighting of it. And it just obviously escalated from there. Um, again, I don't see it as bad here in New Jersey this year. Again, it, it could be early. Um, in another month, I could be saying, oh, my God, you know, right. it's really bad. But um, I just haven't seen it here yet. Um, but that doesn't mean that parts of New Jersey they're not at. so Or they are, they are at, I should say. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of people in our industry that are a wealth of knowledge. And there's... You know, I think some are reluctant to call call for help because they might feel like they just don't know enough. Who cares? There's never a dumb question in this industry. Um, some of our colleagues, whether it's on my side or your side, Kevin, are so helpful. It's it's insane. And like I said, there's enough business out here for everybody. And if we're all doing like really good work we're just going to grow it and get and get rid of the diy market that's you know, i mean i'm say we're never going to get rid of it but it's growing too fast and we need to do a better job as a whole and that's i think a huge help is social media which mm-hmm. really kind of puts you behind a curtain and doesn't you, you really don't have that embarrassment if you don't know something because you can throw it out there and you get some great results. The hard time sometimes is filtering out what is actual results and, and what is, mm-hmm. is not educated guess. Um, and mm-hmm. and that, it is what it is, but that helps a reaching out. And cause a lot of times you can reach out to different areas in the country and find out of things that are available that may not be available in our area, but doesn't mean that you can't get them to your area and they're having great results with it. I mean, absolutely. Again, the, the easiest one that I can think of even just this year was, John Benefield down in, in, um, oh, Jason, I think think he's Kentucky. And we were chatting over the wintertime and last year or the year before he had the problem with his 2EW snotting up on him and he reached out to the manufacturer and here we go. MSO add more to it. I learned that for the first time this year. It's like, Mm -hmm. you've known it for 10 years. John learned it three or four years ago. You know, that's, 
invaluable information, especially when we had such a cool late spring this year for us. I needed that knowledge. Absolutely. And and that's what, that's what, you know, what I mean, like there's little trade secrets out there that, you know, we need to communicate with everybody so we can have better results. Um, it's no different than the whole surfactant thing, you know, knowing which surfactant to use with the right, with each product, because not every surfactant is equal. Um, and we just, uh, we're here, you know, there's, if you don't want to talk to a salesman, there are people out here on your side that will help you. I know quite a few of them that they are open and willing to help. They may not get back to you right away because they're busy. Um, but at the end of the day, there are some salespeople out here who are very good at what they do. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think we're just like in every other industry and, and in our, even our U.S. history with our seniors coming to age and not being around anymore, the newer generation has a lot to learn, whether they're mm -hmm. your representative for sales or in the turf industry itself. There's a lot of stuff that's going to get lost in the next 10 to 15 years as they move on to uh, greener pastures and start fertilizing the turf from a different area. And mm -hmm. absorbing as much of that as we can so that's not lost because they're there's like phenomenal farmers. Again, farmers can bring you so many tricks of the trade to make your life so much easier. It, it's invaluable. hundred percent. I mean, look, I'm talking to three different companies right now on the, the ag side who sell products that have some things that are like mind boggling right now. They got my head spinning. <laughs> And I'm not going to go crazy talking about it anytime soon because I don't know how much more I can absorb this year, to be honest with you. Um, but I, the organic nitrogen one was the first one that I did try. And I was like, Oh my God, like, Holy crap. So another couple of weeks, I'll tell you whether I really, really like it or not. Um, there's a few other ones that are, a guy I met with a guy on was it Wednesday? Yeah. No. What yeah, Wednesday. Um and uh he gave me a couple products that you know, he's like, Oh dude, you put this with your organic nitrogen, you're gonna put your turf on steroids. And I'm like, All right, I've heard that one before. But so I'm gonna try them. I'm not ready to apply anything yet because, you know, I've already done, I don't not putting any more fertility out for a while and I don't really need to put anything else out on the lawn because the lawn looks great. Um, but you know, we continue to get a little bit of rainfall. Maybe next weekend I'll put some of these other products on to see what they do. But the farmers are 10 years ahead of us. And I want to be 10 years ahead of everybody else. That's why I talk to these pe these these people. They're very informative, education wise. They know more about the soils than we do. As you said earlier about those sap tests, you know, I've always known about the sap test, but I never thought in a million years that it would ever come to turf. And you know, Caleb, yeah. like you said, is doing them, and he's you know talking about it, and awesome. They're not your soil test that we have. Obviously, I think I said that earlier, but they are invaluable. 
They will give you more information than you could ever shake a stick at. And there's a reason why farmers are using them because they're trying to lower inputs. Well, they have to financially. They, they have, have to. to financially. They have to. Yeah, they're they're, they're using these. They're using these tools to help them financially. It'll help them for the future because they're not they're improving their soils. They're not destroying them. And I'm listening because I'm like, well, they're making my head spin. Like I said earlier, there's so many things that could be done to make our jobs easier. Wow. <laughs> it's coming. So, you know, you'll hear me talk about them down the road. It's, you know, it's just right now uh, my head is spinning with these things. So I'm not going to go crazy talking about it today. Plus I think we rambled on for quite a while already today. Yeah. I think in closing, I'm going to bring up the part of the research and development you're doing for the better of us. And that is with more sustainable bridge products. And I'm not here to constantly push them, but the reason I want to continually talk about that is because I get so many reaches out of how do I expand? How do I get more customers? How do I value my business better than my competitor? There's the answer right there. Do what others are not doing. As you said earlier, the laws are going to be changing. There's no question about it. I mean, you've seen what Durzban go down. We've seen all these different products. The Midichlorid. Oh, yeah, and that's right. Chlorothalonil. That's the soonest one. You know, there's more coming. Why not be ahead of that now and start learning and working that crossover transition? Because it's not a flip of a switch by any means. Um, you have to let your soils down easy from the constant synthetics to start bringing in bridges to get the same results with less product or I can't say less product, but less overall nitrogen use and all that stuff and get better results. So I I just think our quest of constantly looking into better products and testing them and we're going to fail on some of them. There's no question about it. I mean, absolutely. That's what it's all about. And hopefully with the experiences we have out there and, and one, you know, guy that's a, a big tester for you is Dan Listener. I mean, I believe you said he took another order of O2YS to continue on with that for this season, right? No. 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 He, I think he's set for a little bit. Yep. Okay. Um, You know, he bought quite a bit like a little while ago, but you yeah, know, I yeah. think he's, you know, he kind of, as he gets through the summer, I think he kind of not slows down, but it's like his first couple of rounds are like the big push. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, no, I mean, it's just, I was just with him on Wednesday before I met that ag, cus- ag guy, and uh, um, he had quite a bit still there, so awesome. I think he's good for a while. But at least um, he's putting a lot of it out, so we're going to get, you know, I put one round of it out. He's obviously mm-hmm. doing more than one round, so mm-hmm. we're going to get some good results back from him of what results he's seeing. A little different climate than me. You guys have received some rain. I haven't. What What's going to happen between the two locations of that product going out? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, i I have two uh, like O2. I have two applications on my lawn this year, and probably the biggest thing that I saw was turf density. I think it actually made my turf denser and thicker. You know, obviously thicker if it's denser. Um, I haven't. I think it made my herbicides work better. My herbicide on that with the sublime work tremendously better. Um, I haven't sprayed a fungicide cause I just, I'm not a believer. Um, I don't necessarily know if I've seen, actually, that's not true. I, 
the one thing that you had told me about the dog spots. Yeah. Um, I actually did see that in my backyard <laughs> where it exasperated, where my dog yep. urinates. So um, I did, I do see that being making fertilizer more efficient, making it work better, all that stuff. Again, I haven't sprayed it with a fungicide, so I don't know if it actually makes a fungicide work better yet. I think there's probably some people across the country who have and probably can answer that question. By all means, call us up, get on the podcast. Let's talk about it. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's just, I think more and more people are starting to, just this week, I think I sent out like, I don't know, like 10 cases to new customers this week. So, you know, people are listening and they're, you know, and wanting to try it because it is inexpensive. Um, I think the next step is to try to get the fungicides into it and then possibly even the insecticide part of it with the Nemesan. Um, I think Nemesan is a very good tool when imidacloprid is totally gone um, to do that, like maybe that August, uh, August, uh, September timeframe. If you don't want to spend the money on a Celeprin or Tetrino, just remember, um, he's not saying to put a celeprin down in August or September. That no, should have been done. No, that should have been that's done. April, we don't April, mis- May. Yeah, we don't want to mislead people on that. April, May, no later than, you know, June-ish. I don't, you know, because it takes a while to get in to work into the soils and into the it's plants. because so. it's less soluble than a yes. corporate. So it takes longer Correct. to translocate through the soil into the root of the plant and then uptaken. But once you have that in your plant, it does have a wonderful half-life that technically technically should carry you a little bit of protection on the following year correct and the more years so, you use it the better off you have the beauty with the the nemasan product is that it it's all insects that chew you know the the cut the kite the chitosan in the product their mouth parts are made out of chitosan so it disintegrates their mouth parts so they starve to death interesting so that's the beauty of that particular product. So, you know, it'll work on now. I don't necessarily know if all these things are on the label. So RTFL. Um, but my feeling is, is most insects have that kited mouth part. So um, grubs, chinch bug, side web work, hmm. nematodes. Um, you know, there's some bad nematodes in the golf market. You know, again, is it worth a shot for $37.50 an acre? Hell yeah. Or you can spend, I think it's $2,800 for like a half gallon of dividend or something like that. Your call. You know, um, you, now it's not going to give you, I don't know how what the longevity of that product is, to be honest with you. I think it's a high rate of abamectin, if I'm not mistaken. It's just labeled for nematodes or something like that. I don't sell it, so I don't know. To, I, I'm not going to bash the product. I don't bash products, but I don't know it totally. Um, but if you are if you do have a high nematode count in golf, even if you had to spray it five times, it's only going to, let's round it up to $40 an acre. It's only going to cost you $200 an acre. <laughs> That's a lot less expensive than like, Again, I don't know the total story behind the product. So, but from what I hear, it's like $1,600 an acre or something like that. And I could be totally wrong. So, 
Um, I don't sell the product, so I don't want to overstep my bounds there. But for the, you know, if it does do what it says, because all those insects have kited mouth parts, so it should work on that if applied correctly. So um, I think all these tools moving forward are going to be integral parts of our business. We just have to try them um, and, you know, try to fit them into our program, maybe as a rotational at first. And then, uh, you know, you go from there. Yep. It's all we're, we're doing R&D. And as the chemical companies themselves are going a little bit more sustainable and helping out with R&D itself, you know, we, we have to try yep. them because we, we're going to need alternatives as we said these tuck-in bills Absolutely. are going to happen things are going to get pulled out right out from underneath our feet very very quickly i know mass has gone to uh supervisory needs to be available licensed to even do or purchase a metachlorpid right now which n it was not the case before so it's coming it is what it is um just we're going to use better products we're going to get better results so with our yep. ram rambling on that we have you know douglas <laughs> This will be the week of 4th of July. You know, I hope yep. you have a wonderful time with your family. I, same. I know it's hard for me, but I want everyone out there to hopefully take some time off. The, the grass is going to be there. And I'm saying this for myself. I'm just trying to re reinstate it for myself. Um, we do have some scheduled time off, which is great. The grass will be there. The insects will be there. The disease will be there when we get back. But Take a little time, spend it with your family, the people you love. Um, this is summer. This is what we've worked for. It We need to rehabilitate for a couple of days. So as many as you can get off this week, stay with it. Thank you for listening again. Remember, like, share, subscribe. Um, leave us a comment, a review. We are on all platforms of podcast now with the growth of this happening. It's just organically going where it needs to go. And have a great holiday week, and we will catch you on the flip. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. We are always interested in topics you would like us to dig a little deeper into. You can submit a topic or a question down below in the comments. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share with friends, and also turn on the notification bell as we continue to talk all things turf and help each other become better turf managers.